Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk shines a light on the vernal equinox. We'll hear remarks from Wayne County community members Zachary Jones and Ryan Jennings, who participated in a mix-and-mingle meeting popcorn and profits at the Cooperage in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Then, Education and Volunteer Coordinator Rachel Morrow from the Delaware Highlands Conservancy highlights events at the Van Scott Reserve in Beach Lake, Pennsylvania. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Former President Donald Trump says he expects to be arrested Tuesday. He provided no specific information, but this appears to be in connection with an investigation by the Manhattan District Attorney into hush money payments made to an adult film actress during the 2016 campaign. NPR's Andrea Bernstein has more. In a social media post on Saturday morning, the former president, who is running again, said, referring to himself... Quote, the leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Trump attributed his knowledge without elaboration to leaks from the Manhattan DA's office. The Manhattan DA has been presenting evidence to a grand jury on whether Trump committed a felony in New York when his company reimbursed his former executive, Michael Cohen, for payments to adult film actor Stormy Daniels, who said she'd had an extramarital affair with Trump. The Manhattan DA is declining to confirm or comment on the post, and the timing of a possible indictment remains unclear. Trump has denied wrongdoing. Andrea Bernstein, NPR News, New York. Wall Street is still on edge a week after two of the largest bank failures in U.S. history. An emergency action from both the government and the big banks to shore up the banking system. As NPR's David Gura reports, investors are worried the problems that led to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank could be more pervasive. It was a very volatile week of trading, and shares of regional banks sank as customers moved their money to larger lenders, and investors feared more banks could fail. Over the course of the week, California-based First Republic Bank's stock price fell by more than 30 percent. And on Friday, Moody's downgraded its credit rating, citing significant challenges the lender faces. President Biden assured Americans the banking system is safe, and 11 big banks deposited $30 billion at First Republic to prop it up and to show their resolve. But that only provided limited relief ahead of a critical Federal Reserve meeting next week. David Gura, NPR News, New York. California could become the first state in the nation to ban some food additives. The chemicals, such as red dye number three, are present in many grocery items. Cap Radio's Kate Wolf has the story. If the bill passes, companies would be forced to find safer alternatives for five chemicals that have been linked to cancer and behavioral and reproductive health issues. Democratic State Assembly member Jesse Gabriel authored the bill. The toxicity from these chemicals is a really, really concerning thing for a lot of us. We've seen a significant rise 
in the rates of ADHD among American kids. We have concerns about pediatric cancer. Industry groups say there's not enough evidence that these chemicals are dangerous to humans. In an email, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said it does not comment on proposed legislation. For NPR News, I'm Kate Wolf in Sacramento. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Wayne County community members Zachary Jones and Ryan Jennings share program ideas that expand agriculture as a vibrant industry in Wayne County. The Delaware Highlands Conservancy honors biologist Rachel Carson in Beach Lake, Pennsylvania. I spoke with Education and Volunteer Coordinator Rachel Morrow about that and other events at the Van Scott Reserve. But first, here is Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. and country. I'm Keith Hubbard and this is Star Talk. At 5:25 p.m. on Monday, the sun will cross the celestial equator from south to north, marking the start of spring. This event is known as the vernal equinox. The equinox marks the midpoint between the sun's lowest path across the sky and the sun's highest path across the sky. Track the location of the sun at noon over the coming weeks and months, and you will see the arc of the sun moving northward. The date of Easter is determined by the vernal equinox. Easter falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, which will be Sunday, April 9th this year. There are a few interesting things that occur during an equinox. The sun will rise due east, will set due west, and will be directly overhead at the equator at noon. The vernal equinox is a perfect day to determine due east or due west from your yard. The point where the sun meets the horizon at sunrise or sunset will be due east or due west. Also, the length of day and night are nearly equal on the equinox. On Monday, we will see 12 hours and 8 minutes of daylight. With the sun on a northern trajectory in the sky, the sunrises will be coming earlier in the day and the sunsets will be coming later in the day. The sun will continue to move north in the sky until late June, at which time it will reverse direction and head south. Monday will be the vernal equinox and the start of spring. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. On Tuesday evening, March 7th, the Cooperage Project, located at 1030 Main Street, Honesdale, Pennsylvania, hosted Popcorn and Profits, a mix-and-mingle-style meeting highlighting programs to small businesses and particularly to our farm and food businesses. Presenters highlighted local lending options with small businesses in mind, and organizations offered grant writing and other workshops to help small businesses grow individually 
or collectively. Zachary Jones, Sustainable Agriculture Specialist from Wayne Conservation District, opened the meeting with his sentiments. As farmers, as business people, whatever it is that you do, if you're new or beginning or if you've been in this venture for a little bit, is how we can, um, one, look to find funding, who has it available, what programs are there, and who to talk to. A lot of times, we as farmers, business people, whatever it may be, we're real clueless of all the uh, these opportunities that are out there um, that we could be utilizing if we had that ability to know who, where, and what. So we wanted to design this so that we could bring all those people together under one roof. We can talk about it. We go through some 10 minutes a piece or so uh, of just describing who you are, what it is that you do, uh, what you have to offer, and then really I feel like just an organic conversation of here's what I want to do. Um, how do I do that? Cause um, I found myself in those same shoes so many times of, I know what I want to do. I don't know who to go to or what to do. Community members, Jack Barnett and Ryan Jennings from the Wayne County community foundation were in attendance and here are their remarks. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Ryan Jennings, and I'm with the Wayne County Community Foundation, and this is Jack Barnett. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things about the Community Foundation, and then we'll dive a little bit more into a micro-revolving um, loan that we have at the foundation. One thing that we do at the foundation is manage scholarships, which is kind of different than all of these loans. But for anyone that has kids that are graduating from any of the schools in Wayne County, if they live in Wayne County or attend any of the schools in Wayne County, we do have multiple scholarships for agriculture studies. Um, our scholarships are on our, on our foundation website. We have some materials up here. They're open until April 1st. So I do encourage students that are looking for um, Votech pro programs and agriculture programs to consider a scholarship at the foundation. We also have an adult scholarship available until uh, May 1st. And this is um, through the Marshall Scholarship. So it's um, the John and Marjorie Marshall Scholarship. And it's for $2,000. And I'm pulling it up on my phone because I want to make sure that the training is clear. Um, it's for fields of diesel power technology, heavy equipment technology and repair and other agriculture construction equipment repair studies, courses of study. Um, so again, it's up to $2,000 for a two or four year program. Um, and that's due May 1st. So that's another program that we have at the Community Foundation to consider. We are not a lender by trade, but we generally give grants to nonprofits. That's the, the wheelhouse that, that we play in most of the time. We kind of strayed from that model to create a new micro revolving loan called the NEPA Aunts and Uncles that kind of pairs philanthropy and giving with loans to support um, entrepreneurs in our community. We recognize that entrepreneurs bring life and innovation and lots of energy and are just important for our community to be stable and thriving. And we want to support that as a culture. Um, so we created this revolving loan fund that is very different than the ones that you've heard, although we do partner with H&B to service this loan. So it is philanthropic dollars, donations from individuals in the community that want to support different entrepreneurs of all different kinds. They donate it to a fund at the community foundation. 
that money is invested with multiple investment partners to gain investment gains through many partnerships. And then applications can come into the foundation, um, be reviewed by these folks that have donated their money and are offering to be mentors for people who are part of this program and review those applications, check the, the credit. These applicants by and large are new at their business or maybe have had a track record of not so great credit, but that will still be considered um, and are looking to either do something different, purchase something new, expand their business, um, or just brand new at getting it started. These are low interest loans. They're um, two to 4%, usually in the $5,000 range, but they can go potentially up to $12,000, depending on how much money we have in that coffer. And then they're paid back directly to H&B. And then the interest, that two to 4%, comes back into that fund so that we can return the loan back to the next person. We have two loan recipients this year, um, Kaizen Snacks, which you might have seen at local vendors, farmers markets, et cetera, purchased an oven and And a sink. Yeah. Some other commercial kitchen. And then um, a sign maker out of Hamlin, um, BC Goods and Grains, who makes custom signs, um, purchased a very large laser cutter. And the benefit to this, as Mary Beth had pointed out, is really the the connection. Um, So we know that, especially farming, the connection to vendors, to people that can offer loans, the, the connection to new markets, is really valuable. And if you don't have that connection, that, that handoff, that warm handoff from someone who does have that connection, connection makes that a lot faster. So for instance, the woman from BC Goods and Grains, I serve on another board and mentioned this program and said, hey, come to this event that was happening at the Cooperage. Now this person has a whole bunch of custom signs that are coming from like one connection and one mention. So come to Farmer to Farmer. We want to leverage that connection to help you all be better at your jobs. We just want to point out that this, while the aunts and uncle funds, the initial loan borrowers have been not farmers. We designed the program to be able to be support farmers specifically for things like equipment purchases, implements, seed stock purchases. And we don't have to do it as a single fixed monthly principal and interest payment. We can do it as a balloon payment. So you can take the loan out at the early part of the season when you need the cash and pay it back as a balloon payment later when you've gotten the product sold. So we are not exclusively limited to the traditional model of of monthly principal and interest. We're trying to just add another option to all the options that you've heard today. There's not one that's a one-size-fits-all because every business is different. So new farmers are different than well-established farmers are different than multi-generational farmers that are different than dairy versus vegetable. Like all of them are a little different. And so we're available um, for the the type of recipient that um, is new or trying to grow and do something innovative, they need a small bit of cash, but also that network and the mentorship piece would be of value to them. Our goal as a community foundation is to pool the community's resources to reinvest back into the community. So we're here as a resource for, for the community. All of the money, the $11.5 million in assets that we manage is owned by the community and to be given back for community projects. So 
please let me know if you have any questions, but thank you all for being here. I'm so excited. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I used to run the Cooperage before Arrow was here, and I see a lot of new faces, and that just really makes me happy to see so many new faces in, in the Cooperage. So welcome, and thank you. Radio Catskill highlights information on Wayne County Agricultural Initiatives. Check out the local edition podcast on WJFFradio.org. Info on Farmer to Farmer programs is available online at waynetomorrow.com. Their mission is to expand agriculture as a vibrant industry in Wayne County with quality products produced and sold allowing local agriculturists to share their knowledge and experience with others, helping them grow together within the community. April 22nd, 1970 was the first Earth Day, and it really focused on making sure that our environment is clean. When you think of Earth Day, people do a lot of like recycling things um, and then wanting to focus on environmental issues, and that really was based around we need to have more environmental awareness. Those are some of the remarks made by Rachel Morrow at the Van Scott Reserve. This year on Wednesday, March 8th, the Delaware Highlands Conservancy Van Scott Reserve hosted a presentation of writer, scientist, and noted biologist Rachel Carson. Rachel Carson, in her book Silent Spring, brought awareness to the detrimental effects of DDT and its impact on the bald eagle population. Before the program began, I took the opportunity to speak with Education and Volunteer Coordinator Rachel Morrow to ask her about this event and others coming to the Delaware Highlands Conservancy Van Scott Reserve, located in Beach Lake, Pennsylvania. Hello, um, I'm Rachel Morrow. I am the Education and Volunteers Coordinator here at the Delaware Highlands Conservancy. Um, I'm fairly new, but just going to do programs and, and help volunteers find something that they can do with the environment. This is a very important day, International Women's Day, and the event that you're going to present sounds like it's perfectly fitted for the Van Scott Reserve. Let's talk about this event today. This event is a program just kind of highlighting the history of Rachel Carson. Uh, Rachel Carson was a huge uh, impact when it came to environmental movements. So before Rachel Carson, there wasn't all that much movement for anything environmental. She really paid a path to make sure that people were aware of what was happening in their environment that they were essentially ignorant to before. On a personal level, what inspired you to choose Rachel Carson for this event today? Rachel Carson, as you can tell, I share a name with her. It both spelled the same exact way and everything. And um, I was always fascinated with the environment. And whenever I learned about her in ninth grade history, I was very much like, oh, she has the same name as me. And she has a lot of the same interests that I do. And learning about her kind of pushed me towards wanting to advocate for the environment. And the fact that she was a woman as well showed me that that's something that I could very much do. Well, what else about your background inspires you with this? Do you have other hobbies or education 
or work experience in this area of biology or conservation? Yeah, so I grew up pretty much in the middle of the woods. Um, I was at my grandma's house all the time, and you can't see any other houses. All you see is trees whenever you're there. Um, so growing up, I was always in the woods, getting dirty, playing with my cousins, and it was always the highlight of what I would do as a kid. And then whenever I got older in high school and trying to figure out my career path, my mom just in a passing comment at one point, she's like, you know, Rachel, you can work with the environment, right? And I was like, I never thought of that. So I went ahead and I pursued environmental sciences starting at Penn State. I got an associate's in wildlife technology, and that then led me to try different avenues of the environment. So whether it was being a tech or doing like biology type research or education was another avenue. And I found that I loved learning and then sharing the knowledge of what I had learned with the people around me. Um, so it was kind of like a nice melting pot of environmental science, but also being able to educate and touch on the public. I also pursued a bachelor's degree in agriculture and extension education because at one point I was like, oh, maybe I'll do formal education, but that really wasn't for me. So then I came back and I did the environmental education thing. So, Well, I can see why Rachel Carson is a mentor for you. You have so much in common. And you know what I love? When I was doing some research on Rachel Carson myself, she was born in Springdale, Pennsylvania, and here we are in Beach Lake, Pennsylvania, and it's so nice that you're going to honor her today. What are the highlights of the program that you'd like to share? The highlights of the program is basically just the background of her life and just how she grew up and in the Great Depression and the struggles that she went through with that, but still being able to come and pull through to be a, a big star of the show, I guess you could say, for the environment. Then another highlight is I talk about each of the books that she has written and kind of the evolution of her writing and how she is able to grasp environmental concepts that are really difficult and put them in an eloquent way for people to be able to understand it and digest it. Because that's a big issue in science is people give this hard science and research articles that isn't really fun to read. So she's able to adapt that to make things fun to read for people. And then the book that we're really going to dive into during the talk is Silent Spring, which is the book that really pushed for the environmental movement because it was pushing back on the concept of pesticides and toxins that we were putting into the environment that people weren't really questioning. And when she got people questioning that, it totally changed the viewpoint on how people look at science. I know your organization highlights a lot of important work with eagles, and we know that eagles need healthy water and forests to thrive. Let's talk about the mission of the Conservancy here at Van Scott Reserve. So how does this program today and the other events that you have here reflect on this? Yeah, so our mission is to protect land and reach out to the public for community engagement and through educational programs. The programs that we have all surround the concept of 
the environment. And we're hoping through these programs that people get gain an appreciation that they're able to take home with them to then be better stewards of their land. They don't have to go through us to conserve a thousand acres through an easement, but then if they have only two acres of land, how can they help in their small part? And that just kind of encapsulates all that we are. The other thing with this program too is with the Eagles, there is mention in her Silent Spring book how they were disappearing and later come to find that the chemicals that they were using, specifically DDT, was thinning the eagle sh shells and it was causing the um, birth rate of them to go down significantly and way too fast for them to be able to bounce back from it. Um, we are so lucky that through successful research and things that the eagles were able to bounce back and it's gotten to a point now along the Delaware River, every two miles, you can see an eagle's nest. Like, it's it's pretty awesome. They're definitely a success story that we're very proud to tell, not just as the Delaware Highlands Conservancy, but, I mean, as Americans as well, just watching this national emblem go down into the gutter and then make an amazing comeback. I have to agree. If you just keep your eyes and ears open, you could be walking anywhere and see them. It's such a majestic experience. Some of the other programs that you have coming up, let's talk about that. We're trying to touch on all ages. Um, so the next one to come up is going to be a reading on the Lorax, um, specifically geared towards younger kids, elementary, and maybe some older preschool kids as well. And, and uh, we're hoping to diversify what the programs we do um, coming up. And by diversify, I don't mean just by topic. I mean by what you'll be doing. So between walks and crafts and talks and, and things that just kind of have multitudes of levels um, to be able to hit on all ages. And coming up to Van Scott and simply just walking around and coming into the office and just asking us questions too is like a little um, impromptu type of programming, I guess you could say too. Lots of exciting stuff coming up and we're hoping to just keep pushing through more and more. Well, coming up actually is Earth Day, and I would think with pollinators, edible plants, and ramps on the menu, <laughs> uh, I think you have some events coming up with that. Earth Day coming up, it's on April 22nd, but we're hosting our event on April 21st, and that's basically just going to be a craft day. Um, so we're going to have some eco-friendly crafts uh, that will be set up around the conservancy office and people can come and do fun little things like an example of one is putting some sort of butter and bird seed onto a pine cone and then being able to hang that in your backyard and attract birds to your backyard <laughs> yeah the pollinator ones is that's kind of a kickoff for spring and being able to um, know how to layer a garden to be able to attract not just butterflies but bees and beetles and and all of the different types of pollinating insects that you can find and how about the ramps? That's a locally wild type of leak, I believe. There's the ramps, there's milkweed, there's all sorts of different types of plants, and you just kind of have to come to that program to yeah. find out. <laughs> While we're talking about your programs, how do people contact and find information? What, what is your website? 
you go to DelawareHighlands.org and then just find the events page, um, you'll be able to see the list of all of our events and then you can click on it and reserve the spot if there's a cost. Um, and then it'll tell you if it's just a walk-in event or if it's a free event that you can come to or register. Um, it'll, it'll tell you how to contact us. You can contact me directly, um, and that's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at DelawareHighlands.org. Before we close, is there anything that you would like to add to our conversation? I hope to get many, many people to come out to the programs and just learn about the environment and just gain an appreciation for the things that are around them. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much. Information is available at DelawareHighlands.org. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guests, Zach Jones and Ryan Jennings, speaking about the Wayne County program Farmer to Farmer, and to Rachel Morrow, Education Volunteer Coordinator from the Delaware Highlands Conservancy and Scott Reserve. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org Radio Catskill, keeping you connected with the local edition. Underneath a coat hanger, it says, Never Again. Weeknights at 6.30. We talked about state government. We talked about federal government, but nothing ever about local government. Right after All Things Considered. It's not clear cut what we have to do. It's all complicated. And if we do work with each other in good faith, we stand to win big time. The Local Edition on Radio Catskill. Hey, thanks everybody for being here tonight. 